Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Warrior Monk Podcast. My guest on this episode is Addie Lamar. I first started following Addie after seeing some of her content reposted on a military veteran page, but what really caught my attention was her knowledge and experience around blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. Now, cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin and others, have had a lot of hype and press in recent years, and even more so very recently due to rising inflation rates, countries around the world starting to devalue the dollar, and governments looking to start to incorporate cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology into their own currency systems. Addy has a lot of good information to speak on these topics and more, and I'm glad she was gracious enough to take time out of her busy schedule to join me for this podcast. I know you're going to enjoy and learn from the conversation she and I had. But before I get into my interview with Addy, I'm going to take a minute to tell you about today's sponsor for the podcast. The Warrior Monk Podcast is being sponsored by 10,000. 10,000 is an athletic clothing brand that has the best quality athletic apparel that I've been able to find. As a tactical athlete and as a strength and conditioning coach, I put my athletic clothing that I train in through the ringer. The 10,000 Versatile Tee is always my go-to whether I'm doing my workout of the day or even if I've just got a long day of traveling for work. The Versatile T-shirt is made of sweat wicking and quick drying material. It stretches and moves with you. It has flat lock seams that prevent chafing, and they even have a silver ion anti-odor treatment. I can't speak enough for the versatility of these T-shirts. If I'm traveling and I'm in a pinch and I don't even have access to a washing machine, I can literally wash the shirt in a sink or in the shower, wring it out, and set it out to dry in the sun for a while, and then it's good to go for a workout the next day. No stains and no stink. No other athletic brand gives their clothing the same level of versatility, durability, and quality. If you want to get a versatile tee or try any other of 10,000's other quality performance products, just head over to www.10,000.cc and use my code LRADFORD15, that's L as in Lance, R-A-D-F-O-R-D-1-5, and that'll save you 15% at checkout. Go put yourself in an order for some amazing workout clothes and then go crush your workout in the gym. And keep in mind that you're keeping the Wear Monk podcast moving forward with new content. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Addie Lamar. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Wear Monk podcast. I'm pretty excited today because I've got a guest uh, I've been looking to get connected with for a long time because I've appreciated her content and been interested in the things that she has to say regarding the crypto space and cybersecurity space. I have Addie Lamar on the podcast today. So Addie, thank you for agreeing to do this and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you have quite an, uh, an interesting resume. You're you're an Air Force veteran like I am, but you've also uh, spent time there and as well as with the FBI as a cryptographer. Um, you're on your journey now through the crypto space and you're pursuing a PhD within blockchain technology. Um, you've got a really unique perspective, um, not only in cybersecurity, but this concept of self-sovereignty and kind of what's going on with, uh, I guess, technology and how it's influencing our lives and our freedoms and privacies and all things of that nature. Um, and you're, you know, also really interesting on economics uh, and talking about stuff like solar punk, which we'll, we'll kind of get into that probably in this conversation a bit later uh, and advocating for for freedoms, basically, when, within the digital realm as it crosses over into the the actual physical realm as well. So um, you've worked within the tech industry, but um, also involved in public policy. Um, 
you've helped write a, a cyber policy with NIST, right? Um, mm-hmm. Within the Department of Justice. So you, again, your your resume is pretty pretty outrageous, and it's awesome to have you here on the podcast because I've been wanting to have a conversation with someone who's a subject matter expert uh, regarding this kind of stuff. And you've moved. You you were in the U.S. and worked within the D.C. area and got kind of disillusioned uh, there during the 2020 timeframe. And now you're, uh, currently residing in and working in studying in Canada. Um, so I get, I want to, I want to ask you like a million questions. <laughs> um, but we're going to start on, on crypto and blockchain because it's, uh, it's something that it's here to stay. A lot of people still don't understand. A lot of people still think it's a fad. Um, why would you say that is if you could kind of give a, an intro to crypto and blockchain and why this is important, why this is here to stay. Yes, of course. So crypto and blockchain are, they're totally here to stay. And I think it's that because they're not really just some like passing fad. Um, so first to kind of illustrate this point, I'm going to talk about fiat currency. Um, that's our old school money, like dollars uh, or the Euro. It's a type of money that isn't really backed by a physical commodity like gold. Uh, Instead, the value comes from the good faith and trust that people put in your government that issues it. And essentially, we believe it has value because, I guess, the government says it does and everybody agrees to use it for trade. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it wasn't always that way. Uh, This kind of started in 1971. Uh, The U.S. dollar and some other currencies, they used to be backed by gold. This meant that you could go and exchange your paper money for a certain amount of gold. Um, It would give it kind of a solid and tangible value. However, in 1971, President Nixon eliminated the gold standard and it made the US dollar a purely uh, fiat currency. And since then, fiat currencies have relied solely on the trust that people have in the government and the stability of their economies. And that shift has made people a little bit (laughs) wary of fiat money. And it's been uh, one of the main factors that sparked interest in alternative forms of currency, um, such as cryptocurrencies, like my favorite Bitcoin, And these offer a different approach to storing and exchanging value. But the thing about fiat is that the governments can just print more of it. And I guess we've all kind of seen what's going on recently um, with the crazy inflation. Um, Yeah. Yeah, our Federal Reserve, they're a little bit busy printing off a ton of money. And I think that's that's, uh, a really big problem. So we're all feeling the effects of that every single time we go to the grocery store. But that's where cryptocurrency kind of comes in. They're the new kid on the block. So with Bitcoin, for example, it's designed with a limited supply, which means that no one can go wild and just make more of it. It makes it a whole lot better at resisting inflation. And um, we don't have a a centralized entity who's just going to go around and make the Bitcoin print more money. And one of the major reasons why Bitcoin is such a game changer is that it's decentralized. And I know a bunch of people here probably don't really understand like what that means. So I'm going to use an analogy to kind of explain it. Sure. Okay. So imagine you're a kid again and you and your friends want to play a game during recess. Usually there's a teacher or a playground leader who makes all the rules and decisions for everybody. Uh, But we all know that nobody likes that. So the teacher is often kind of out of touch and creates rules that make her life easier instead of focusing on what everybody else wants which is to have the most fun possible. (laughs) Now picture a different game, one where instead of having one person in charge, all of you together decide on the rules and how the game should be played. This way, everyone gets a say and no single person controls the entire game. And that's kind of what decentralization is about. 
It means that rather than everyone having one big boss or a single company controlling everything, the power and decision-making are distributed, distributed among many people. And in the world of money and technology, like with Bitcoin, decentralization ensures that everyone who uses it has a say in how it works, uh, which makes it fairer and more democratic for everybody. Yeah. And this idea came from a super smart person or group of people uh, called Satoshi Nakamoto. This person invented Bitcoin in response to the 2008 financial crisis, and they wanted to create a whole new kind of money that wouldn't be plagued by the same problems uh, that caused the crisis in the first place. And with, B uh, with Bitcoin's decentralized nature, they managed to do all that, offering a more resilient and fair financial system for all. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you kind of breaking down a little bit of how it works and, and giving us some, some terms there for kind of understanding. Uh, I love the fact that you brought up too, the, f the fact that we went away from the gold standard. When I hear, I guess, boomers talk about like, oh, this Bitcoin cryptocurrency thing, it's, it's not even real. It's like, well, your US dollar isn't real anymore either. Like you can't, you can't go and trade it in for gold anymore. So it's like, it, like you said, it's a, it's a faith-based mm -hmm. system, right? So exactly. why not have how I not have faith in a system that everyone has agreed upon and is harder to manipulate versus what we've been seeing with the Fed, where it's just like, ah, we're going to change interest rates today because we decided we want to. Yes. It's like this group of seven people has decided we want to alter the course of our financial destiny. So we're just going to decide to do it. Yes. Seven unnamed people for that Ex matter too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We could get going down the rabbit hole with the Fed, but uh, <laughs> we'll turn this into a complete conspiracy theory podcast. Um, so can I can I ask you a little bit since uh, some of the stuff that's been happening? We talked a little bit before this podcast started about kind of current events and things that have happened. But can you comment on to the direction that the market is going as far as, um, you know, fiat money and Bitcoin? Uh, recently, we've seen a Silicon Valley bank bailout. And what's the relationship there and how that's going to be affecting the crypto market? Yes, yeah, so Bitcoin's value, um, it, it went up a ton, especially last month um, with the recent bailouts and stuff or with the bank failures. Um, and it's not just a random thing. Like a lot of the billionaires and wealthy folks are starting to doubt the U.S. dollar because it isn't, it isn't so stable anymore, like with the Fed stuff that you just mentioned. And honestly, mm -hmm. can you really blame them? Like a lot of people are losing faith in our government institutions, and that's that's what gives our money its value. So our fiat ain't fiatin. But I guess that's kind of where Bitcoin comes in. Um, I think it's like an amazing alternative that kind of keeps it val its value, even when everything else seems to be falling apart, uh, because it's built in resistance to inflation. While the US dollar continues to like lose its value, Bitcoin keeps on growing stronger. And this is like uh, long term thinking. I'm talking four year cycles, not like the short term, like two years where it goes 60,000 to like 20,000. I'm talking over time as a store of value like digital gold. Um, and funny enough, a lot of people in the crypto world have lost their faith in the US dollar. Um, like me, my debit card keeps on getting declined because I refuse to hold it, a lot of it. Um, it's like a rite of passage if you, if you go to a coffee shop and you're like, sorry, I can't get that coffee, my card's acting up again. Mm. Um, but a lot of us just end up holding on to Bitcoin and then selling it whenever you need to buy stuff. Uh, so I think that it's one of the safest ways to keep your money safe as long as you know how to like, if, if you know how to do like um, risk management properly and you know how to, um, if, if you have like a long, long term mindset. 
I think it's definitely a game changer that's going to be like redefining the way we think about money. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's like, seems like it's happening, happening rapidly now, especially as I guess, I think in the beginning it was kind of like um, the mentality for governments and big banks was like, how do we stop crypto or get in the way of crypto? And I think they've come to the realization now that, well, this, this technology obviously works and has value. And now they're kind of like, well, how do we, how do we get a hold of it? How do we do it? And how do we kind of have more control over it? So, and that brings up the topic of, of CBDCs and kind of how almost that's like a, a counterpoint or opposite to what kind of crypto was supposed to be in the first place. So can you explain what those are and kind of what it seems like is going on on a more global level with, uh, with governments? Yes. Um, so we definitely can't just like stand by and let CBDCs take over the crypto landscape. CBDC stands for Central Bank Digital Currencies, and they are a complete perversion of Satoshi Nakamoto's original vision for Bitcoin and uh, decentralized finance or DeFi. Instead of empowering people, CBDCs, they threaten to tighten the grip of governments and central banks on our financial lives. It's not just disappointing, it's like outright dystopian. Um, so basically, governments are trying to use blockchain technology for their own ends, but what they're creating with CBDCs is a nightmare scenario. Um, yeah. So basically, they want to create a world where they can monitor and control just about every financial transaction, and it takes away our financial privacy and autonomy. So it's kind of like they're uh, building a digital pentopticon uh, with Big Brother watching our every move. And this issue, it transcends political lines. It's not a left versus right issue. Uh, and it's, it's crucial that people from all sides of the political spectrum um, understand that and unite to fight against CBDCs and their dystopian implications. Um, we all have a stake in preserving our financial freedom and privacy and CBDCs, they absolutely threaten that. Uh, so we all really have to be like assertive and very vocal in our opposition to it. And we really need to like rally around like the true spirit of cryptocurrencies because those stand for like decentralization, privacy and freedom um, from these super oppressive financial systems. And that's kind of what CBDCs are. They're just like another arm to the oppressive system. Um, and we really can't let the world forget what Satoshi Nakamoto kind of set out to achieve. He, he tried to, he or they, um, really wanted to find a way to create a system that was resistant to the 2008 financial crisis. Um, so by standing together, regardless of our political differences, I think that we can resist the dark future that CBDCs threaten to bring and defend like the liberating power of DeFi. Um, but there is an enlightening movement that's kind of harnessing the power of DeFi as we speak, and that's called the solarpunk philosophy. Yeah, I'm super excited that you brought that up because I have always been a huge science fiction fan uh, ever since I was a kid. Um, and, you know, the Orwellian kind of viewpoints of most science fiction novels uh, or books or movies is kind of this, you know, dystopian outlook where the authoritarian regime is taking control of everyone and, you know, mass pollution and robots are killing people in the streets or whatever kind of tragedy. But solar punk is kind of like this antithesis or counterpoint to that um what what is solar point solar punk excuse me and uh kind of how does that envision our future yes so one thing that people say is that people go to uh cyberpunk for the visuals and solar punk for the good life 
So solarpunk is this super cool, optimistic idea for our future that's, it combines like sustainability, creativity, and community. Um, it's kind of like this world where we all live in harmony with nature. We use solar power and other renewable energy sources to build like this super high-tech, eco-friendly, fair, and resilient um, set of communities. And solarpunk philosophy is kind of how we fight back against like uh, the oppressive governments and like CBDCs. It's kind of what unites everybody across ideological lines. Um, so imagine cities filled with like beautiful, lush greenery, vertical gardens, renewable energy systems, and locally sourced food. Um, in this future, technology will bring us closer to the environment and drive us to create like a cleaner, um, healthier, and more equal world. It's all about bringing people together and working across political and social divides uh, to embrace like the do-it-yourself spirit and take control of your lives and surroundings. So it's, it's a very communal um, idea. It's very peaceful. It's very beautiful. Um, it's very high-tech, high-life. And it gets pretty exciting also because it kind of marries the idea of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies with Solarpunk to make this really cool vision a reality. Um, but what they do is they kind of help us remove the intermediaries and allow for direct peer-to-peer -peer interactions and transactions. This allows um, the individuals within communities to have more control over their resources, data, and decision-making without the centralized power um, like we, we currently use in our governments. And um, blockchain can be used in a ton of different aspects of a solar punk world. Um, a few examples could be something like decentralized energy grids, uh, transparent supply chains, and secure transactions without the need for like exploitative uh, traditional banks. And in this way, we would create a fairer, more democratic and efficient system that's in line with SolarPunk's core values. And the cryptocurrencies are super important because they offer an alternate form of money and they provide uh, constituents with more financial freedom. People in communities can uh, transact directly with each other, which is peer-to-peer, -peer, and that would avoid fees and centralized control. Plus, they can help grow local economies and encourage sustainable practices through eco-friendly incentives. And one of the most interesting parts it, um, of all of this is that the reason why governments seem so keen to demonize crypto um, is because their power and control are kind of at stake. So you see, they've built this whole system that's designed for them to exploit. They're in power because they've made the rules to benefit themselves and think with things like accredited investors, pre-market times, and blocks on day trading for those with less money. I don't know if you know this, but in um, stock market, you cannot day trade unless you have $25,000 in your account at all times. Yep. I'm a day trader and I'm, I suffer from that. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. See, it's like, it's kind of ridiculous because they want to put these barriers on people that prevent them from having this upward mobility. All that it does is prevent other people from having opportunities. And so I really like, the thing that I really like about crypto is that they don't really have that. Crypto kind of shakes things up. It facilitates the class mobility and removes the government's ability to control the financial landscape. So like the crypto markets are open 24 seven. Um, and people are able to transact directly with each other. And that's kind of like why they're freaking out and trying to paint crypto in such a negative light. I think that the countries see their grip on power is slipping and they're kind of scared of what a decentralized, fair and accessible financial system could really mean for their control. So I guess 
When we, bring, when we embrace the solarpunk vision and combine it with the power of blockchain tech and cryptocurrencies, we aren't really just building a more sustainable and equal future. We're also challenging the status quo and breaking down barriers that have kept a ton of people from actualizing and reaching their full potential. Um, and I think this isn't just our chance to create a world that empowers everyone. Um, I think that we, we stand to prevent the people at the top from continuing to wreak havoc on the rest of the world. So yeah. I definitely want to keep pushing forward with this and make it happen. Yeah, I love it. Um, I saw a post the other day, which I thought was so interesting. And it was, it was like the most, the most lucrative farming that humans have ever done has really been in farming other humans, right? Um, getting, basically taking advantage of people to make them work for, for whether it's, you know, back in feudal systems within Europe or within the corporate space. But essentially all you're doing is using people to create more profit, create more power for the people above them. And it's, this has kind of been the first time in human history when middle classes have had the opportunity to kind of grow and expand. And a lot of people want to tear down um, capitalism and it's definitely not a perfect system, but it's allowed us to kind of get to this kind of good middle ground point where we can like, okay, we've got decisions, some decisions to make here. And like, do we either push to the direction of solar punk or do we push to this direction of like going back to more authoritarian, um, you know, using technology to kind of like keep people limited and controlled and, and things of this nature. So I think we're like in a really pivotal point in human history to, to see which way it goes. And I hope you're right. I hope we do keep pushing towards the solar punk direction. Cause I think we have the potential, I believe in the potential of human beings to, to do more good. And this, the podcast here, where my podcast is about balance. And that's what I really like about the solar punk, especially when you look at some of the art that inspires it, it's like, it's this balance of like integrating technology and nature together and it's like if we could really learn to do that then you know it's kind of like there's not really going to be a limit to how much energy we can produce or how much food we can produce or where we can go and what we can do um so anyway i'm i'm, I'm ranting about it kind of on my own here but i love the concept of it um and i want to ask is there any readings or books or anything that you would recommend for anybody who would like want to kind of get into solar punk or kind of see what it's about Yes, so there there are some articles on the creator economy by Lee Jin um, that are pretty good. I can send the link so that it's um, so that it's available to you. But then there's also a book that I cannot think of the name of right this second. Um, that it, it's supposed to be this really thick book that illustrates this beautiful potential future and it kind of like gives you, you the ability to imagine what it might be like to actually live in a solar punk community um mm. i cannot think of the word of the name of the book right now but i'll send it over well, when we get after the done with the conversation you can um send it to me and i'll make sure it gets in the post show notes so anybody can go and find it so i want to ask you addy the personal questions i always like to ask my guests and the first one is who is influencing you right now and that could be a personal relationship or someone that you're reading, a podcaster, influencer, artist, et cetera? Oh, okay. So I have two answers to that. So the first one, um, she's going to always be my number one source of inspiration, and that is Bell Hooks. Um, may she rest in peace. And another person who's had kind of a huge impact on me recently um, is Dan Coe. Um, he has a lot of insights of, of combining like mindfulness and purpose into like the creator economy 
and it's really helped me uh, with my mental health and well-being. And what I really love about Dan is how he blends like philosophy and mindfulness with empowering uh, business strategies for people who kind of want to like break free from the exploitative systems we were like talking about. Um, yeah. So he's definitely making a difference in my life. He's he's certainly influencing me. Very cool. I haven't heard uh, of either of them. So this is kind of one of my tools that I have in my tool belt to expand who I'm being influenced by by asking my guests. So I'm I appreciate it. I'm going to I'm going to be checking both of them out. So uh, a book next... recommend. Sorry. Yes. A book please go ahead. Um, from Bell Hooks, uh, The Will to Change. Uh, it's a life changing book. Very cool. The Will to Change. You have to look it up. Um, and then the next question is, when you hear the term warrior monk, uh, what does that mean? What do you think of when you hear it? Ooh. So when I hear the term warrior monk, it makes me think of somebody who kind of like combines the qualities of a warrior and like the mindfulness and peacefulness and equanimity of like a monk. Um, a warrior would be somebody who kind of stands up for what they believe in and fights for what right, what's right, even when they experience backlash or unfavorable reception of it. Um, they're courageous, brave, committed, um, and unyielding in their pursuit of justice and fairness. Uh, but on the other hand, a monk kind of embodies a sense of inner peace, balance, and equanimity. Um, and I think that allows them to maintain composure and clarity um, in their mind, even in the middle of like chaos and conflict. They are grounded in their values and spiritual practices and those those kind of ground them and give them a really strong foundation for their actions each day. And so whenever you kind of like combine these two aspects into a warrior monk, we see somebody who is both a fierce advocate for their beliefs and a compassionate, mindful individual. They're not afraid to question their leaders or hold them to a high standard um, because they, they believe that like the most patriotic thing one can do is to ensure that the people in power are acting in the best interest of their their personal constituents, not mm. their own best interests. Um, so by blending the strength and determination of a warrior with the wisdom and equanimity of a monk, I think they're definitely a force to be reckoned with. Um, and they're de dedicated to creating a just and balanced world for everyone. I love that. I think you're the first guest that I've had who's um, brought up that that piece that regarding like holding those around them to that high standard um, and that's a beautiful thing because I guess kind of like what's the point of spirituality and kind of um, being of like sound mind if you can't like try to share it or like help others attain it and reach it as well. And I feel like holding others to some sort of standard around you is, is a big piece of that. So I love that, that response. Thanks so much. Of course. Um, well, I got, I, I think we've pretty much covered all the big topics here. I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast and shedding some light on blockchain and some of the, the recent events that's been going on. And I think we're probably going to chit chat more here in the future as we kind of watch some of the things unfurl and unfold in, in, uh, in a world events as they continue to go on. Uh, maybe at some point we'll get a, we'll get a part two going for the podcast, uh, depending on how, how much we push towards solar punk or how much we push towards uh, the dystopian or well in the future. <laughs> um, but Addy, thank you so much for joining on the podcast. If people want to reach out to you, they want to learn more about blockchain. Uh, they want to follow you. Where can they find you? Oh, so first of all, uh, thank you everybody for tuning in to 
to listen to me talk. <laughs> so if you guys enjoyed our conversation and want to dive deeper into these topics, I've just recently launched a newsletter that's going to be covering all of this and a whole lot more. It offers uh, more of the guidance onto like the whys and hows of everything I discussed today. Um, but to stay in the loop, subscribe to the newsletter and follow me on Twitter at Addie Lamar or Instagram at Nerdy Peach Babe. Um, in the future, I'll be sharing courses, newsletters, and my research on all the fascinating subjects. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure being a guest on this podcast. I truly appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you making the time to do it. I know you're, you're a busy person, and uh, this has definitely been one of the most interesting topics that I've and opportunities I've had to speak to somebody. So thanks again for joining me, and uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation. And another big thank you to Addie Lamar for joining me for a fun and educational podcast episode. If you're interested in learning more about cryptocurrency and see what Addie has to say about the quickly evolving and quickly changing markets that are coming out of the evolution of blockchain technology, go follow her over on Twitter at Addie Lamar, that's A-D-D-I-E-L-A-M-A-R-R, or on Instagram at Nerdy Peach Babe. I also wanted to come back to the topic of Solarpunk, which we talked about in this podcast, and I will be purchasing a book called Glass and Gardens Solarpunk Summers, which is a collection of stories from various authors, including Jennifer Lee Rossman and others, which I'm sure will spread some more optimistic light on the utopian possibilities that we have with our technology and integration with biology moving forward in life. And I'm sure once I'm done reading, you guys will be hearing more about Solar Punk and maybe some other readings, reviews, or recommendations in the future. If you've been enjoying the Warrior Monk podcast, please share it on your social media platform. Give us a tag at the Warrior Monk podcast. And feel free to send it over to a friend or someone that you think is a Warrior Monk and has a similar mindset. Please head back to wherever you found this podcast, wherever you're streaming or downloading from, and leave us a review. And I always appreciate feedback if there's a place to leave comments. Also, feel free to reach out to me anytime over at the Warrior Monk Podcast Instagram or Facebook. If you've got an idea for a future episode or you just want to start a conversation with me, that's the place to do it. Lastly, I would also like to invite you to become a supporter of the Warrior Monk Podcast through our Patreon page. If you would, please head over to patreon.com forward slash Podcast. So you can support us through various pledges that come with complimentary and exclusive Warrior Monk merch. We've got stickers, Velcro patches made out of PVC, which a bunch of my friends have been asking for recently. I think they're really cool. And t-shirts as well. As always, thank you for joining me. And I look forward to you coming back in the future. Look forward to making more content for this podcast. And until then, let's continue to grow through balance. That's what we're all about here on the Warrior Monk Podcast. This is Lance signing out.